You don't know flag. You Don't Know Flat, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Episode 161, VCRs. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. I'm your host, Rob Flack O'Hara, and on today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about VCRs. This episode was actually recorded on a Commodore 64, so as I cue the actual episode to load up, that will give us a few minutes to chat during this week's loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Well, hello, everybody. I am back from vacation. I took a uh, a vacation from work, went on a road trip, took a vacation from podcasting, and now I'm back. The family and I loaded up the uh, truckster. Actually, we didn't. We uh, <laughs> we rented a car. Uh, my wife had a we had a, a Honda Odyssey minivan with three rows of seats. And my wife decided she no longer wanted to be a minivan owner. She did not want to be uh, associated with minivans, so we sold the minivan, and she got a smaller car, which she greatly enjoys, but uh, we sure miss having those three rows of seats <laughs> with two kids on road trips. So we rented a Ford, not an excursion, Explorer, something, I don't know, had three rows of seats. It was a Ford SUV. Got terrible mileage, but uh, we uh, rented it uh, for the week. Got unlimited miles, and we put 2,800 miles on the old Ford. We drove up. uh, We left Oklahoma. We went through Kansas. We got to see Truck Hinge, which I wrote about on my blog. Truck Hinge is uh, a very, very unique place. Uh, If you you haven't read uh, my blog post about Truck Hinge, you should go check that out. But uh, the goal, the ultimate destination of this trip was to visit... The uh, Pod Up North, which is a Futuro house. I've written about Futuro homes before. They are the round UFO-shaped homes that were sold briefly in the late 60s, early 70s, and that uh, my wife and I tried to kickstart to start remaking those, but nobody wanted to do that. So uh, if I couldn't own one and uh, couldn't make one, the next best thing was to go rent one, and there is a... Uh, fine gentleman up in Wisconsin that rents, uh, he has a Futuro sitting on the edge of a lake and rents it out. So we rented it and, uh, this trip was twofold. The other one was, I've been marking off all the states that I visited over the years and I have my list up to 46 states. Uh, and I was missing Wisconsin and I was missing North Dakota and I was missing Iowa. And so <laughs> We took a week off work and set out and hit all three of those states. We went to Sioux Falls, Iowa, uh, and uh, stayed there for a day and went and saw the falls and drove around town, had a good time, and then we drove up to North Dakota, 
Drove up to Fargo to the visitor center. We saw the uh, the wood chipper from the movie Fargo is there at the wood the uh, at the visitor center. And we uh, drove up and saw the missile silo sites, uh, which uh, was a really really fun, really entertaining, uh, <laughs> kind of scary to uh, look at decommissioned uh, nuclear missile sites. And we went to uh, Oscar Zero, which is the underground. Uh, launch facility if you've ever seen war games where the guys sat to turn the keys and that's basically what this was uh or what that was modeled on was was this site so uh went on the tour went and saw all kinds of old cool technology stuff like that had a really good time there uh then we went on to uh wisconsin went to the future or the pod up north and uh, the four of us, my two kids, my wife and I slept in a 400 and roughly 475 square foot UFO <laughs> shaped house. Um, it wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be. Uh, there was a master, I guess you would call it a master bed, like a full size bed. And then there were a bunch of couches, uh, like wooden benches, but with, uh, cushions on them and stuff that you could move around and configure. So there was plenty of room for four people. Uh, we played a lot of board games. We played some Uno and we played some Yahtzee. We played some Star Wars Trivial Pursuit. And we watched some movies while we were there. They had a, a whole uh, library of science fiction-related uh, movies like Star Wars and Men in Black and stuff like that. So we had a good time. And they had a actually had a, a DVD-slash-VCR uh, combo, which is interesting because we're going to be talking about VCRs today. And so we went into town and found a thrift store nearby that had a ton of VHS tapes for sale for 50 cents each. So... Uh, the, I let the kids dig through and we pulled out some movies that we wanted to see on VHS. It's been a long time since I went somewhere and bought VHS tapes. So we took them back to the uh, pod and, and watched some videotapes. And when we were done, we just left them there, added them to the library. Didn't, didn't need to uh, drag those all the way home. When we were uh, done there, we drove over to uh, Minneapolis and we stayed uh, next door to the Mall of America. So that's that's really a, a change in venue, <laughs> staying uh, in the woods in Wisconsin for three days and then going and visiting the Mall of America, which if you haven't been, I, w I won't say you need to go. I mean, uh, just imagine the biggest mall you could possibly imagine. <laughs> I have actually been to the uh, biggest mall in North America as well, the one up in Edmonton. I had a friend that I visited up there one time and went and saw that. But this uh, this mall is pretty massive. <laughs> the kids uh, in the middle of the mall is a uh, uh, roller coaster and a, a whole little amusement park. I won't, not even little, you know. Um, there's a log ride and two different roller coasters and all kinds of things. So the kids had a really good time. And um, I bought a uh, – they have a peep store there by uh, the amusement area. And I bought a mug. I, I think I'm going to, you know, a lot of people collect shot glasses and uh, I don't really do shots of whiskey around the house or anything, but uh, I do drink a lot of coffee. So I came up, I, I said, you know, when we go on these trips, maybe I'll start collecting coffee mugs, you know, of uh, different places we've been. So I bought a coffee mug at the peep store and they wrapped it. They did a very good job. They did all these things and we packed everything. I mean, by this point, you know, we've been on the road for six days. Uh, packed everything in the back of the car, drove all the way back from Minneapolis, Minnesota to Oklahoma City. I mean, it's uh, uh, 700, 800 miles, something like that. Got home, opened up the uh, the rear hatch 
on the SUV and the one thing that had shifted was the sack that had my coffee cup in it and my coffee mug just fell right out of the car, right on the ground. So I transported it safely, <laughs> 800 miles or whatever, and then broke it in my driveway. And so um, uh, I, I mentioned it on another show I'm on and I mentioned it on Twitter and I've been contacted by somebody who's going to hook me up with another mug from Peeps. So I'm Peeps is going to be the new official sponsor. <laughs> if I get that mug... Peeps will be uh, the new official sponsor if you don't know Flag. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Oh, I, I did a, some updating on the website. I've been uh, trying to get some of my websites in order. I had an old website about um, storage and shelves and things like that. And, and um, staying in that Futuro house really kind of rekindled that a little bit. Just uh, some of the interesting ways that they do storage there. And I love watching... Um, uh, all these tiny house, tiny home shows. So, uh, so I brought back uh, one of my websites, which is lovethyshelf.com. That's all one word, love thy shelf. So, if you are interested in, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of my friends have built custom shelves to show off their video game collections or uh, collectibles, Star Wars stuff, anything like that. You know, so I hope to um, not only show off people's uh, custom shelves and things like that, but also put some plans online and, uh, uh, you know, some tutorials, some how-to things. So I think that's going to be fun. So anyway, uh, like all my other stuff, there is a uh, uh, Facebook page and a, a Twitter account if you want to go do those things. Um, and, and actually, I also, on uh, RobOHair.com, I set up uh, a page called Podcasts. Uh, actually, podcast singular or plural goes uh, to the same page, but it's robohair.com forward slash podcasts. That has a list of all the, the uh, shows that I'm on, uh, and it also has a, uh, a donation thing. So I've had some people really uh, – I mean everything that I do on these shows, the recording, the hosting, the bandwidth, all that stuff is just – comes out of my pocket. Um, but uh, I have had people say, you know – uh, can we donate? Can we do this, do that? So there's, there's links on there. It's not uh, a high pressure thing for me, but, uh, if, if, uh, you feel moved to do that, then that's uh, where you can find that. But also you can find links to all my other shows and stuff. And, and don't forget, I did create that feed. Uh, I have a master feed that goes to, uh, all of my shows. So if you're interested in subscribing to everything in one feed, you can find that link there. The other interesting thing that has happened over the past, uh, well, since the last episode is I have been diagnosed with something called Stargardt's disease. Uh, Stargardt's disease is a genetic uh, vision-related, I don't know how to explain it really, um, but uh, what it does is um, causes your detailed vision to deteriorate uh, rapidly. <laughs> and it, uh, for most people, most people that get diagnosed in it, uh, or with this, uh, uh, I don't know why they call it a disease. I thought it would be a syndrome, but, uh, disease I always thought was something you caught, but apparently not. But, uh, anyway, this, uh, Stargardt's most people that get diagnosed with it, um, it happens either in their teens, uh, up until the age of 20. And usually by the age of 40, they are legally blind. Now, uh, in my case, it has uh, rapidly attacked one of my eyes. Now, this is kind of this is a unique situation because I have different colored eyes, and uh, one's brown, one's green, and the green one I've always called my kind of the weird eye. I mean, everybody else in my family has brown eyes, 
so the green one is kind of the odd man out. And, uh, so anyway, uh, I noticed, uh, years ago that I started having some vision problems in that eye and just kind of a dead spot, almost like a, what you would imagine a cataract or something. Uh, and I, uh, went to see a, uh, ophthalmologist at the mall who said, well, it's probably just because it's a different color and there's nothing we could do and don't know what to tell you. And that was about 10 years ago. So I, I kind of wrote it off. And so recently I had a, uh, a run-in with an eye doctor. My wife was uh, at the eye doctor and he took a look at my eyes and said, you should probably make an appointment. And so I did make an appointment, went back in, and they did uh, some initial scans and said, wow, you have some pretty advanced uh, macular degeneration, which is um, usually associated with uh, old age, age onset macular degeneration. But he said, you're way too young for that. So you should uh, see our retina specialist. And I'm very, very fortunate that I live uh, within about 15 minutes of the Dean McGee Eye Institute, which is one of the best eye institutes in the country. And so I went to see the retina specialist and they did some more tests and they said, hey, buddy, You've got Stargardt's disease. So, uh, but right now it's really only affecting my bad eye. So, uh, you know how they do your vision tests and you get 20, 20 and things like that. Uh, on my bad eye, they said that my eyesight is 20, 1500, <laughs> which is apparently pretty bad. Uh, and so, but my, my good eye, uh, is, uh, 2025. I mean, it's basically, you know, almost perfect vision. So, uh, he, based on what he saw in his tests, he said that, uh, I do have the beginning signs of it in my good eye. So, uh, but everything else is kind of a mystery. They don't know why it didn't, uh, affect my eyes at the same rate. They don't know how long it will take before it affects my vision in my good eye. So, uh, lots of unknowns at this point, but, uh, you know, there's not much you can do about it. There's, uh, uh, they have some, actually they've had some good success with the uh, stem cell research, but that's not, uh, publicly available yet. There's also some, uh, different types of treatment that haven't been approved yet by the FDA. So it's kind of a, uh, waiting game on that. And so that's, uh, what I'll do for the time being, but, and, and I want to make this clear. I'm not telling anybody this because, uh, um, I don't need a long list of, uh, responses to the blog of people saying, uh, you know, I mean, it's not a pity party is what, what I'm trying to say. And, and the reason why I even am talking about it is because, uh, I'm a, a journalist at heart. You know, I went to school for journalism. I love to write. I love to share things. And so, uh, sometimes you end up being the story and, and when you do, then you still share it, you know? And so I'm, I'm approaching the entire thing from a scientific point of view, you know, and the doctors, uh, gave me the information I went through and, and poured over all the details and the numbers and everything. So, uh, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, they, they said, um, Best guess, they don't think it will affect anything, uh, or I, I shouldn't have dramatic vision loss uh, for probably about 10 years. So, you know, for the time being, I'll just keep on doing what I'm doing and, and go back and have checkups, and uh, and they'll monitor it, and we'll see where it goes. So uh, someday, <laughs> I bet there are, there's already other blind uh, podcasters. Also, um, 
I learned that uh, legally blind means uh, that your vision is 2200. It doesn't mean that you just, you don't see anything at all or that you, you know, you're in complete darkness or anything like that. So uh, that's uh, <clears throat> one of the things they explained to me. So when they say, uh, you know, and in my, in fact, in my bad eye, I'm way over being legally blind, although uh, I can still, I have really good peripheral vision on that eye. I just can't uh, see details. When I look straight ahead, I can't uh, read uh, things like that. So uh, for the time being, uh, I can still do all those things. So I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and moving forward. So anyway, this is getting way <laughs> too depressing. Let's get back, get the show back on track. Uh, if you have any feedback about this episode or any other episode of the show in general, you can always email your feedback to me at Rob O'Hare at Rob com. while I could still read it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm fine. Uh, you can always leave me a message on the You Don't Know Flack voice mailbox, which is uh, 405-486-YDKF. And based on that sound, the episode is done loading, so let's quickly move on to this week's topic, which is VCRs. So setting the stage, uh, I was born in 1973, and my dad used to work a job where he worked a lot of overtime. So uh, he got a pretty good tax refund each year, and with that tax refund, he would buy uh, a big gift for the family. And so in 1978, uh, he bought a VCR. So um, a little bit of history, the Betamax was released first in Japan in 1975, and the original model could only record one hour of video. Uh, they did not get uh, the ability to record two hours uh, for a couple more years. Now, the VHS, uh, which is what we'll be talking about, a lot of people use VCR and VHS uh, interchangeably, and I probably will make that a uh, common mistake during uh, tonight's episode. But uh, so if I say VCR, I'm probably talking about VHS. But the VHS format came out the following year in 1976. And in 1977, it was released in the United States. Now, one thing that set it apart from Betamax was that it had uh, two-hour and four-hour capabilities. So you could put a lot more information on a single tape. Um, so a lot of people thought that Betamax and it did have a uh, higher resolution that it was better quality, but by 1980, uh, VHS had a 60% market share and that continued until, uh, basically Betamax, uh, seeded, <laughs> uh, they, they, uh, they threw in the towel. So uh, most VHS recorders, uh, the early ones had SP and LP. Uh, I believe SP is standard play, although as kids we always called it slow play. LP is long play, and then SLP was super long play. Uh, and that gave you two hours, four hours, or six hours of recording on a, on a, a single VHS uh, tape. There was a lawsuit in 1984. Uh, about it, it finally went to court of people uh, recording television shows. Now think about that, uh, that you have these VCRs and the 
TV channels were basically fighting people that had VCRs that were recording movies off of HBO or anything like that. And so in 1984, this lawsuit went and it was declared that recording things off of TV was legal. So think about that again. That was in 1984. That doesn't seem very long ago. But anyway, back to our first uh, VCR. We got a VHS uh, VCR in the spring of 1978. So that was probably right around the time we got uh, our family got our tax refund for the year. We got a Panasonic RCA VBT 200. And one way that you can uh, tell this particular model is it has the rotary uh, tuner dials on the front right-hand side of the VCR. So instead of uh, buttons to change the channel, it had big manual knobs (laughs) to do that. Uh, That VCR was $1,000. It had two and four hour capabilities, so it had SP and LP. Uh, and it came with a black and white video camera. Now, this camera had to be connected to the VCR through this long cable. And then for some reason, I remember there was a box that it connected to. So the camera had a long cable that connected to the box, and then the box connected to uh, the VCR. Now, again, this was in 1978. So most people had not seen uh, a video camera that would allow you to watch yourself in real time. People had 8mm cameras and things like that, but not one that you could see yourself in real time uh, on the television. And so we have lots and lots of videotapes of relatives or people visiting us uh, where we had just set the camera up on a tripod and it is literally – 10 minutes of them sitting on the couch looking just off screen (laughs) because the camera would be set up a little bit to the left, uh, you know, not quite in front of the TV. So it would just literally be footage of them staring at the TV and waving and, and making faces. And you got to really put yourself in this mindset of what a new thing that was, uh, for people in 1978, that summer in the end of that summer, Uh, In August, I had my birthday party and we had invited, I don't know how many, like every kid in my neighborhood because we had the video camera. So we set up the video camera in the living room and each kid came by and introduced themselves and and, uh, got their, you know, 10 seconds of fame (laughs) uh, to be on TV. And it was a a big, uh, it was a big deal uh, for these kids to be able to do that. And and, uh, it's fun now to go back and watch that tape. Uh, and be able to see, you know, all these people that I grew up with when they were four and five and, and uh, six years old. The camera got a lot of use every year on Christmas. So that first Christmas that we had the camera, um, my dad would set up the camera on the tripod and point it uh, to where my sister and I would be sitting. Uh, sometimes he, he would have to move it. He had the, you know, the first thing he would uh, – point it towards our stockings. So in the morning we would come out and get our stockings and, and pour out all the Christmas presents and, and look at that. And my poor dad, every time he would sit down, we would move. <laughs> so we would be sitting on one side of the room. He would go sit on the couch and then my sister and I would get up and, you know, go get things from the tree and sit over there. And then he would get up and turn the camera, uh, you know, and, and, uh, so he, there's a lot of footage of nobody on the screen because we were, you know, little kids and, and not very good at uh, sitting still. Uh, that is where I learned uh, what I call Christmas acting. Uh, 
Uh, I learned that at a very young age because I knew that these tapes were being recorded and that other people would see them. So there were a lot of times where I would open a gift and say, oh, this is what I always wanted. And then I would walk, you know, off screen and whisper to, you know, to my mom, I already have one, but, uh, maybe they sent us the receipt and then I would go back on camera. Oh boy, I always wanted that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there, there was a little bit of that going on, a little bit of, uh, hamming it up. But, uh, yeah, every Christmas for a long time, every birthday, uh, for a long time, other holidays and things like that. We went to a, uh, uh, family reunion one time and, and we took the VCR and the camera and hooked it up and just set it up, uh, where you, you would, uh, uh, point it outside where people were walking around and, and, uh, so it's, it's terrible footage, <laughs> you know? Um, but it, like I said, it was just really, uh, a new concept. Now the VCR was so big that, uh, we, we very, very rarely, in fact, uh, that's the only time I can remember that we ever moved it. But uh, that cord where the camera hooked up was really long. It was probably a 50-foot uh, cable. Uh, maybe not that long. I don't know. But it was long enough that it would reach from the living room to my bedroom. And so uh, I would, I would uh, you know, pull the camera all the way into my bedroom. And the only thing that was on the, the camera itself, there was a uh, a zoom in and out. I think it was, it was uh, definitely autofocus. And then there was a pause button. So you would go uh, into – was that on that camera? Maybe it wasn't. Maybe you just hit record because we had a couple of cameras. But uh, there, there weren't that many. You couldn't control everything. I remember that. You couldn't control everything from the camera. Um, so I would uh, take it into my room. Sometimes my friends and I would come over and we would do music videos. Uh so, and I still have a lot of these and there's no way these are ever getting out. Some of them, uh, I've uploaded to YouTube, but, uh, most of them are just so terrible that, uh, uh they stay here for my own enjoyment. But there are some music videos of us doing, um, I think a lot of Jay Giles band. I must've had that record. There's a, a freeze frame and centerfold and things like that. Uh, and, and us, you know, uh, just pretending like we were the ones on MTV. I mean, I had a, uh, acoustic guitar and a Mr. Microphone and a oversized uh, baseball hat. And my buddy would, uh, you know, get behind the drums, what we imagined were drums, which were really just giant pillows, piles of pillows and pretend to drum. And we would, you know, lip sync and put on our own little shows in there. Uh, I made some star Wars films where I, I took this, uh, I had a four by eight sheet of plywood and we put a white sheet on it and we would, um, put things under the sheet to make little artificial, mountains and bumps and things like that and uh, and turned it into hoth you know and set up battles so there was uh, uh we did that uh several times um now you got to remember at this time you know 1978 1979 uh when we first got our vcr there were no there was no such thing as a uh, movie rental place you couldn't go rent movies um, and then, uh, maybe in 79 or the, the first ones that I remember that we found out about were mail order. So you could actually rent movies through the mail order and you would sign up and give them your credit card and, and then they would mail you a movie and you would watch it. And then, you know, eventually you would mail it back and you had to, uh, pay to be a member of these things. I think it was like, you know, 40 or $50 plus, you know, having a, a deposit in case the movie, cause the movies were really expensive, you know? So uh, but you couldn't just, you know, there was no blockbuster or Hollywood video or anything like that. You couldn't just go rent movies. Um, and then my, uh, 
dads. I don't, I don't remember exactly who this was. I, I kind of know who it was, but uh, we had a friend of a friend, let's just say a family friend, uh, had a connection with a local movie theater and they used a video camera to record a bootleg copy of Star Wars, which they got us really early on. I want to say 1978. I remember, I definitely remember being in kindergarten. I was in kindergarten from uh, 78 to 79. And I definitely remember um, watching Star Wars around that time at home. And I remember the uh, the ratio, the aspect ratio was off. Like everybody was really tall and skinny. And I remember being confused uh, and thinking that Obi-Wan was just a really tall Jawa because <laughs> he looked like all the other Jawas. Um, and it may have even been in black and white. I don't remember, but I remember it was really bad quality, but I, I still watched it when you're a kid, especially when you only have a, a couple of tapes, you know, you, uh, you tend to watch those things over and over. Uh, we did have HBO, very early on, we had a, a satellite dish later on, but we uh, had HBO, and so we would record uh, movies and things like that. Uh, you know, anytime there was something new on, my dad would record it, and we had our own little personal uh, VCR library. He uh, he built some shelves in the hallway just around the corner from the TV, and so um, we would have our little uh, movie library over there. Um, I had uh, some cousins that lived way out in the middle of nowhere. I think I mentioned this on the MTV, uh, uh, podcast episode and, uh, they would give me a tape and I would put it in and record MTV for six hours. And then when I would visit them like once or twice a year, I would swap out tapes with them. So and that was the only, uh, their only connection to MTV was whatever was on that six hour tape, uh, uh, that I had given them. Uh, I also, I had, uh, my own tape. I had a blank tape, that I was allowed to record things on. And I, um, I started collecting, uh, like behind the scenes, like, uh, how they made movies. There was a special on, uh, how they made Superman. I had that recorded. And then the next thing on there was, uh, I believe it was called, uh, SPFX, which was the making of the empire strikes back. So I had that special. And then I had, um, the Indiana Jones, uh, stunts special, which was a, uh, making of Raiders of the Lost Ark that featured, uh, a lot of the stunts and the stuntmen, the stunt work in that movie. Uh, and then, uh, there was something else on the end. Oh, there was, uh, everything you wanted to know about monsters, which was a great special. It's never been released on DVD. I don't think it was ever released on VHS, but I do have that tape and I have converted that. My kids love that special. It's really, really good. It's all about real life monsters and movie monsters and stop motion. It's just really, uh, really great special. Uh, another memory I have around that time. And I actually went and looked up the date for this. Uh, on September 15th through September 19th uh, is when they, uh, 1980, is when they aired Shogun. And my dad worked evenings, and so he wanted uh, Shogun recorded, but he didn't want all the commercials in it. And so our VCR had a remote control uh, that was wired. So you ran this wire to the, the VCR, and there was a, a little toggle switch, and up was play and down was pause. And so uh, he paid me, I don't remember what it was, but five bucks or something like that. But he paid me to sit there and watch the entire uh, mini TV series of Shogun and take out the commercials. Uh, and so I did that. And 
I don't remember really watching Shogun. <laughs> I was probably reading a book or something like that at the time, but uh, uh, but that's the way we did it back then. Now our school also had a VHS VCR. We had you know there was one for the school. It was on one of those big rolling carts. Uh, so there's a TV on top and then the VCR. And I was the only kid that they would let run it because I had a, a, a VCR at home. In fact, uh, a lot of the things that we watched at school were things that I had recorded or my family had recorded at home. I definitely remember uh, watching Pete's Dragon at school, which is something that we had recorded off of HBO. Um, a few other things like that. There was a, a HBO series called Brain Games, and man, I have searched high and low for it. Uh, Brain Games was a uh, half-hour show um, that aired on HBO in the early 1980s, I believe, and it was just puzzles and mind benders and things like that. And man, I just I have all these uh, memories of that, and I would love, love, love to see that again, but I cannot find it. I just checked Amazon a few days ago, and apparently it was released on VHS. There are three uh, volumes, and I, I think that's everything. Uh, the first tape is around $40. The second one's around 80 And I just can't justify that. But it's never shown up on torrents or news groups or any of the places that I go and download things. Um, it was never released on DVD. It's not on eBay. So <sighs> I, re- I just can't justify $120 bucks for two videotapes. But I, I would certainly – I would really love to see that again someday. In 1983, we got our next VCR, um, and you know, we had a VCR in between these two, (laughs) Um, because I know that we had uh, uh, one that that didn't have the knobs on it, you know, so we had a second VCR, but I really know... uh, big memories about it or anything, but in 1983, we got a portable VCR, and with that, we got a color camera. Uh, now this camera was, (laughs) my memory of it is my mom looked like, uh, she was on a member of a news crew, you know, or like a film crew. Like she had this big camera that she would put up on her shoulder. And then the VCR was, I don't know how much that thing weighed, 10 pounds, 12 pounds, maybe, you know, and it had a, a shoulder sling. So you would throw the VCR over your shoulder, hook the camera up to it. And then all of a sudden you were a roving reporter. And my mom would take that thing everywhere. I have karate tournaments that I was in that she took a video of when we went to the Grand Canyon, which by the way, there's nothing worse than watching other people's videos of the Grand Canyon. (laughs) It's just terrible. But we have uh, a tape full of uh, Grand Canyon footage. Uh, She would take it downtown when we would go watch fireworks on the 4th of July and videotape the fireworks, which actually might be worse than watching Grand Canyon videos. (laughs) Uh, And even uh, when we would drive around and go see uh, the Christmas lights around town, she would take it. So uh, that was... uh, and again, you weren't just taking the camera. You were taking the whole VCR with you. I mean, so you probably were carrying 20 pounds of stuff uh, around with you to do these. But um, it, it was very novel at the time, you know. Uh, and I used that camera quite a bit uh, to make my own movies. Uh, and I have a whole tape of all these little movies that I made. I made st- uh, more Star Wars movies where I would actually make backdrops like with uh, paper and markers and, and do things and, and uh, 
you know, build ships out of Lego and things like that and tie strings to them so I can move them around. Just, you know, really uh, not advanced, but just creative type things, you know, just what you could do. It always killed me that um, uh, VCRs back then weren't accurate enough to do stop motion. You know, that's what I really wanted to do was, you know, pause it, unpause, pause, 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 like that, you know, and try to do that. But it just uh, wasn't good enough. It wasn't accurate enough, I guess, to do that. Uh, I have lots of videos of, uh, like I said, uh, music videos of us lip syncing. Um, wrestling was big in the eighties and professional wrestling. Um, my neighbors were all into wrestling. And so I have lots of footage of, uh, my friends and I, uh, slamming each other around the living room, <laughs> pretending we we're in the, the wrestling ring, uh, all pretty much everything that I did in the eighties that was embarrassing, uh, break dancing. There's lots of, uh, break dancing videos and skateboarding videos. And, uh, we made a ninja movie one time, uh, that involved, uh, some really terrible special effects, but anything you can imagine that we did during the eighties, uh, you know, we would make little movies and stuff of it. So it was really, really fun and really, uh, something that not a lot of kids got to do. Now, not too long after that, this was probably, um, mid eighties, maybe 85, 86. Um, you know, when I was 12, 13, something like that, uh, I got a VCP, from my bedroom. Now, VCP is a video cassette player. Uh, so it was basically like a VCR, but it didn't record. It only played tapes. Um, they, they sold a lot of these for, um, entertainment centers, uh, or like a entertainment system that you would put in a car in a van, something like that. Uh, in fact, mine, I know came with a wall adapter and a 12 volt adapter for a car, but I, I really don't think I ever used that. And I had a 13-inch television in my bedroom, and so I had my little VCP and, and uh, had my TV, and whatever I taped in the living room, I would uh, bring the tapes in and watch them uh, in my room. When I was uh, a teenager, we would go to Big Lots when Big Lots opened up, and I would buy uh, videotapes from their uh, bargain <laughs> bin. I remember uh, buying uh, Three Stooges cartoons, which I had never seen, uh, and they are terrible. Uh, I would buy all these little bad movies. I, there's one called Alice, Sweet Alice, and uh, uh, a couple of horror movies and stuff like that. So anything that was cheap, I would buy on videotape and, uh, and come home and watch them. Uh, as I, as I got a little older, um, and I was working like when I was 16, 17, I would, uh, I would record headbangers ball because that was on Saturday night from 11 to two. And I would usually work like I worked at fast food places. So I would still be at work. So I would, uh, set the VCR to record that. And then the next day come home and, uh, watch those tapes in my room. And man, I wish, uh, I'd kept all those tapes, uh, instead of, uh, overriding them over and over and over. Uh, in 1991, I moved out, uh, I graduated high school and I moved out and I uh, got this apartment uh, by myself. I was still 17. So I had a friend come uh, co-sign for me. And, uh, after a month or so, or maybe two months of living there by myself, I was just bored out of my head. So I called my buddy that, that had uh, signed for me and he came and moved in. So we built us a, uh, Literally, like in the movies, one of those cinder block entertainment centers. We had little, uh, I think, cinder blocks and milk crates and pieces of wood. Uh, and we had that same TV that I owned in my uh, uh, VCP. 
Uh, and uh, we live next door to this place called Kaleidoscope Video. And I, I talked about this, uh, I think, on the Ninja episode. But uh, Kaleidoscope Video uh, was just a movie rental place. And they had uh, – when you walked in, about two-thirds of the way back in the store, they had um, a, a large ninja section and a large horror section. And then if you kept walking, they had a large adult movie section. <laughs> so every time we walked in, the guy that worked there assumed we were walking to the adult movies. But we weren't. We were walking to the ninja movies and the horror movies. And so that's what, what we wanted to rent. We rented so many of those bad movies. Um, Microwave Massacre was one that we rented. We must have rented that thing 50 times and Chopping Mall. That was a big one. And all the Faces of Death videos, we would rent those. And plus all the ninja movies, you know, the Enter the Ninja, Revenge of the Ninja, uh, you know, the Master, the TV series, they had those. So um, anything that was like that, we would rent and, and take it back to the apartment. Literally, it was uh, that building backed up to the back part of our apartment complex. We could walk there in two minutes. And so we would walk over there and, and get movies and come back. In the uh, fast-forwarding a little bit, probably in the mid to late 90s, right around the uh, advent of the World Wide Web, um, uh, a friend of mine introduced me to the world of concert bootlegs. And these were videotapes that people had shot uh, at concerts. So they would go to a concert, and I guess they would take a, some sort of video camera and they would, uh, you know, record the concert or whatever. Then people would make copies and, and trade these. And there's all these rules involved, like how many generations was it and what kind of tape was it on. Everybody wanted you to use Maxwell Gold or Maxwell Silver. And it had to be recorded at uh, a two-hour, you know, recording speed. You, they didn't want you to use, you know, uh, four hours, six hours. So a lot of rules. But uh, my friend was into more like um, – alternative kind of music, I guess. And then I had another friend that was into, I guess, um, more different kind of alternative music. And I was the heavy metal guy, really. Um, you know, I, I wanted uh, Metallica and, and um, uh, Fear Factory and, and um, you know, those – and Motley Crue was big and Danzig and, and stuff like that. So basically what we decided was – we would have if we all three of us would you know put our list together we would have a really big list and we'd be able to trade these videos with other people so you would literally uh set up trades and um you know you'd say i have this concert and they would say i have that concert and then you would make a copy of it and then mail it through the mail and and cross your fingers and hope the other person had mailed theirs through the mail you know and sometimes people didn't and they ripped you off and you had a bad traders list that we all shared and and, um, <clears throat> of course you had to watch every one of these while you're making copies. So it was, uh, very time consuming. And I had two VCRs at the time or just a few years, you know, prior, just having one VCR was, was uh, pretty cool. So now I had two, but I had all these wires hooked up and, and it took up time. And so I, and I was really into this. And so I went to uh, Sam's club and I bought, uh, the brand was go video. It was a dual VHS deck. So it actually had two VCR or VHS decks in the same unit. It was $300. I remember that very well. And I bought it. I was like, what a bargain. Two VCRs for $300. And there was actually a button on there that just said copy tape. So you could put your original on the top 
and uh, put the blank one on the bottom and hit copy tape. It would rewind them both and uh, and off it would go and would make copies. So I, uh, I, I made a lot of the copies during that time and I got, oh man, I probably had a couple hundred uh, <laughs> concert bootlegs, which by the way, I have since, I just started throwing them out one day. Um, you know, a lot of these that were so, uh, treasured to us, you know, and so valuable. Now you can find them on YouTube, you know, and just, uh, go online and download them and they're everywhere. So it was a lot of work, a lot of, uh, and they were fun to watch at the time, but you know, just one of those things that, um, you kind of move on from. So, um, but I had that VCR and I, that dual deck one, and I used it as my primary VCR, uh, for a long time, I didn't get a DVD player until uh, the Christmas of 1999, uh, and there was a DVD place near me called uh, the name of the store. It was a DVD rental place called DVD, and it stood for Digital Video Depot. Uh, and this is how tied to VHS I was. I would go there and rent uh, DVDs and come home. And play them through and record them on VHS. So this was way before copying DVDs or ripping DVDs or anything like that. Uh, there wasn't, you know, a DVD burner at that time was seven or eight hundred dollars. So uh, I would just copy them to VHS tape. And in fact, if they had special features, I would go through and play each, you know, play the trailers and the and the special features and things like that. So I could record them all on a tape, which just seems absolutely crazy now when I think about that. Um, so around that time, uh, early two thousands, I believe, uh, I had gone, uh, driven by kaleidoscope video, which was the video store I mentioned earlier that had all the, the horror and the karate films and stuff like that and drove by there and they were going out of business. And, uh, I think the the way I remember it is when I drove by, they were selling movies for like $10 a movie or something crazy. And then we drove by the next day and it was $5 a movie. And, and eventually it was down to like a dollar a movie or something. And so, um, I stopped by after work and I just, I literally bought out the horror movie section. And now some of the movies were already gone, but everything that was left, I bought the horror movie section and I bought the martial arts section. So, uh, I don't, I don't remember how many I bought, maybe a hundred, maybe 150, something like that. Uh, I remember it took several boxes and several trips, uh, to take them all out. But, uh, if you ever want a instant VHS movie collection, that's the way to do it. So, uh, and, and what was, what I really liked is I always like collecting things that I know the lineage of, um, that for some reason that, that really appeals to me. And so uh, many of the movies I bought, like I bought chopping mall and I bought microwave massacre and these were the actual videotapes that I had been renting many years earlier. So I, I like owning, you know, something that I know where it came from or that I have run into before. So that was kind of cool. I, uh, have owned several D, uh, well, I don't know what they're called. I guess TV cards you put inside your PC and it allows you to hook up, uh, something with RCA cables to record. Um, you know, in the old days you could just do like MPEG or, or raw AVI and then you would have to compress it and do all these things. But now they have cards. The, the last card I bought is a hapage. <laughs> That's how I always say it. Uh, and they, uh, 
It does uh, compression on the fly, so you can just record it and, and uh, save it, compress it to a uh, uh, AVI or an MP4 or something like that. It's really nice, uh, and I've used uh, – I had a USB one for a while um, that was okay, but it, it never really seemed to do um, the quality, you know, I, and that's what I hate. I hate – uh, archiving stuff and not having it be perfect and knowing that eventually a better technology is going to come along and you're going to end up wishing you'd either waited or you're going to re-archive it. And so uh, with the latest card that I bought, I've, I've uh, re-archived everything that I had. Uh, and a lot of times, like if it's an old, like a a tape of Headbangers Ball video, something like that. I will archive the entire tape into the computer the way it was on the tape, and then when I'm all done, I break the tape and I toss it. Um, I don't – you never know what's on old videotape. I mean I don't think there would be anything embarrassing or anything like that, but you just never know you know, what's on there. And so I record them in, and then when I'm done, I just uh, break the tape and toss them. Uh, I used to uh, long time ago. I would, I probably would have uh, demagnetized it or something, but you know, it's not really that critical. But it's just kind of the point because I'll, I'll keep these tapes and I'm going to keep doing this over and over and over as better things come along. And so this uh, last card I got, I just decided this is uh, this is it. I mean, I'm going to archive it and then I'm going to be done with the tapes. And um, I have uh, oh, like a paper box, like that printer paper would come in, you know. Uh, I call them moving boxes. I have one box like that full of videotapes left. And there was a time when I had hundreds and hundreds. I probably had four or 500 VHS tapes at one time. Uh, and now I'm just down to this one little box of things that, uh, for whatever reason, like that, that tape, you know, my old special effects tape and the tape of my home movies, like my personal ones on, I've, I've recorded them multiple times, but for some reason I just hang on to the, uh, the actual physical tapes. Um, for a while, you know, one thing that's interesting is uh, uh, when I started digitizing a lot of these tapes, I was interested in the shows that were on them. But now I'm more interested in the commercials uh, that are on the shows because you could get the shows anywhere. Like uh, one of the tapes had, um, you know, early episode of the X-Files I had taped. Well, you can get the X-Files on DVD in much better quality than a, a VHS tape taped off a cable. But, you know, in between the episode, there were uh, commercials and fillers and announcements for upcoming events and things like that. And that, to me, is much more interesting. I really like archiving that stuff. So, in fact, I've been going to garage sales and I look for VHS tapes, um, you know, that were things that were recorded off a of television. I don't want the stuff that's recorded off of, uh, you know, that's purchased because we have that stuff in better quality now, but, uh, the things that, you know, have commercials or, or, uh, local stuff like that, that's, that's what I'm always keeping an eye out for. So will I ever be done with it? I don't know. <laughs> I've got the equipment now and it's, uh, easy to set up and go. So I don't know that I will, uh, ever stop doing it, to be honest with you. And one thing, uh, that I thought was interesting and uh, to bring this episode to a close, is I mentioned that uh, on our vacation, we went to the pod up north to the Futuro house, and it had that uh, uh, the VCR, you know, and had a, the combo VCR uh, DVD. And so uh, when we got the some of the videotapes out, I gave it to my daughter. She's nine, and I handed it to her, and I said, here, go, go put this in the VCR. And I watched her struggle and try to figure out how to do it. She didn't know 
how the tape went in. She kind of put it sideways and then she put it – she figured out it went long ways, but then she didn't know which which side was up, which side was down, what was the front, what was the back. And it was so interesting and I, I started laughing and she gets really mad anytime you laugh at her. And I said, honey, I'm not, I'm not laughing at you. I'm just laughing at uh, how quickly – Things change, you know, and I mentioned uh, the old joke, you know, or not really a joke, but the, uh, uh, you know, be kind, please rewind. And they have no concept. They really have no concept of what rewinding means. Everything in their life is digital. You don't rewind uh, a video game and you don't rewind an MP3. So uh, or even a CD, you know, so they just uh, they really have no concept of what rewinding is or why you would do that. So I, I don't know. I just thought that was really interesting to me and, and um, uh, something that was supposed to be this future-shaped house, you know, this UFO thing, and uh, to have something that's really not that old, the VCR, and watch the kids struggle with it was uh, uh, definitely an eye-opener. And I guess uh, it's just a reminder of uh, how quick things can change. That wraps up another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you'd like to send me feedback about this episode or any other episode of You Don't Know Flack, you can email me at robohara at robohara.com. Contact me on Twitter at Commodork. Follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash you don't know flack. That's all one word. Or leave me voicemail on the You Don't Know Flack podcast hotline at area code 405-486-YDKF. You Don't Know Flack is available from iTunes, Stitcher Radio, the You Don't Know Flack RSS feed, and through throwbacknetwork.net, your home for quality retro podcasts. If you'd like to hear more podcasts from me, check out my Commodore 64 theme podcast, Sprite Castle, at spritecastle.com, and Throwback Reviews at throwbackreviews.com. Both of these shows are also available at throwbacknetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on another episode of You Don't Know Flack.